I'm talking this morning about what you want in life. Have you thought about that? What do you want in life? The last couple of weeks, we talked about the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is like a, like a wimp. It flees, you know, when something's not going well and you're, you're wrecked. But joy stays. Joy is a decision. It's not an emotion. And we talked about hope. This morning, I want to talk about guidance. There's not one of us in here that doesn't need divine guidance. Let me give you an example of some divine guidance. After the first service, one of the ladies took me aside and said, look at my phone, and she said, this is a message from my sister. She lives in Colorado. In Colorado, you can't, the governor says you can't have Thanksgiving for any more than six people. It's all you can gather with. If you're, a, if you're a family of seven, you've got real problems, don't you? You're going to find out who's, who's not loved the most. But you can have a funeral for as many as 30 people. So she said, I want to invite you to our funeral. We, uh, here's a picture of the deceased, and it was the pet turkey. And, and the turkey is deceased. And, um, she said, uh, and she said, so we're going to celebrate on Thursday at noon, and that's, the funeral will be held then. Now, in lieu of flowers, we would like to ask you to bring a, a dish, bring a dish, and we'll all share together in the time of sorrow and uh, all of that. So you have to be creative in finding divine guidance. That's not necessarily as we'll ultimately end up today, but that's what I'm pointing towards, guidance. There was recently a national magazine that um, finances study on the topic of fear. And the leading contributor towards fear, they concluded after all this empirical study, was, quote, having no particular direction in life, close quote. So if you're just kind of going bumping along and there's trouble coming here and the government's saying this, the governor's saying this, the newspaper's saying this, and you're going, ah! Instead, if you have no particular direction, you're going to have fear. But if you've set your face to honor the Lord and to listen to his voice, you will not be overtaken with fear. Praise God. Now, you know, man, mankind, in my opinion, is the greatest marvel in the universe. We're not comparing ourselves with God. I'm talking about we're God's creation, right? Do you know your heartbeat is 35 to 40 million times per year? 2.5 billion times in the average lifetime. God put that heart in you. He loves you and has plans for you. The wonderful mechanism of the eye and the ear cannot be replicated. It's a scientific marvel what God has put within you. But all of those things are wonderful, but the greatest thing that makes you such a blessing is that you can walk and talk with the living God who made you. You can walk with him and talk with him, and you can find out what he wants to do with your life. You can find out step-by-step direction from him if you consider and ask him. So I believe man is the greatest marvel in the universe. But do you want to be guided by the God who spun the world into space, who calls the stars out by name each night? Do you want to be guided by him? I do. And I want to say, you know, and I'm thinking about all the things that I could desire. What about you? What are, have you thought about all the things you could desire in your life? I, we started by talking about hope. Hope sees 
bright future ahead no matter what you see today. Joy is a decision. The joy of the Lord is your strength. But today I'm talking with you about guidance. We need the guidance of the Spirit. Now, one of the great verses in the Bible is found in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11, where God announces to Isaiah, God announces to Isaiah the prophet, tell the people that if they'll turn from selfish living, if they'll turn from harboring anger towards people, if they'll just turn and look to me and give themselves to me, this is what I'm going to do. And the Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones, and you will be like a watered garden, and like springs of water whose waters do not fail. Many people in this world presume that they know what to do and how to do it, and many people make huge mistakes. But divine guidance will not lead you the wrong way. It's moment by moment, day by day, instruction, navigation, Strength and stability is what it will afford you. And the Holy Spirit, contrary to what many people believe today, is still here, and He will still guide you and still show you the way. How many of you are thankful for the precious Holy Spirit that will reveal to us His perfect will? Jesus said it this way, John 16, verse 13. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, He will speak only what he hears. In other words, the Holy Spirit is listening to the voice of God, and he will communicate that with you. And he will tell you what is yet to come. What does tomorrow hold for our city? What does tomorrow hold for our state? What does tomorrow hold for America? The Holy Spirit knows. And so we understand that we have good news to share with you that God hasn't changed. He is still willing and ready to guide you and I if you'll let him. Here's a key verse while we're talking about guidance. You can put it as a tablecloth over your guidance table. I hope you have it committed to memory. John 10, 27, Jesus talking to his disciples. My sheep, it's my people, listen to my voice, and I know them, and... And they follow me. Now think about this for a moment. There's two key words there. I just thought about that. That is not a Texas Longhorn thing. (laughs) Two things. Love Texas, but we don't root for Texas, University of Texas. We have Oklahoma babies, so we root for the Okies. Praise God. Anyway, it's one of our teams. That's too much information, isn't it? My sheep listen to my voice. The key word is listen. And the second key word is follow. Would you please note that both of those words are verbs and they're in the present tense. When you understand the tense of that verse, you can understand the significance of it. In other words, there is repeated habitual steps, habitual action that God is calling. My sheep are all the time listening to my voice. And as a result of them listening to my voice, what are they doing? They are following everywhere I teach them, everywhere I lead them. That's what, that's what he's telling us. Did you get that? Are you confused? Is there anyone that doesn't understand that? All right. I want to explain it real good, because so, that's important that we understand that we are, it's up to us. No one charts your future but you. 
You've got the responsibility to listen and to follow. Amen. So this morning, I want to share several simple principles with you. First of all, the principles for guidance. What are overarching principles for guidance? Believers are to be anchored in the character of God, in his ways and his word. And we know that God has built these principles into the world, and they're here. They're going to work. For instance, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your, your paths. I'm quite sure that everyone in here needs his leadership for decisions for today and the future. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my, way, unto my path. So I don't know about you, but I'm desirous for the Holy Spirit's leading. Aren't you? Let me try it over here. Aren't you folks hungry for the leadership of the Spirit? Yes, we need that. We need that. I love the scripture here. Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5. The psalmist says, show me your ways. We're so ready to tell people our ways. I was thinking while we were singing and worshiping, you know, um, thinking 46 years of ministry, we've been preaching, and I didn't want to do that. It was not my plan. It was not my will. I don't like standing in front of people. I have personal issues that make it difficult for me. But I'm so thankful that I've asked him what he wanted. And he's led and directed. I'm not interested in telling you my path or my way. He said, Lord, show me your way. What is your path? Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. So there's overarching principles for guidance. Let's talk about some, secondly, disciplines that we need to work on for guidance. What are some basic things we need to think about if God is going to be able to guide us the way he would like? People who have changed history for the better have one thing in common. They've obeyed the voice of the Holy Spirit. Singular people have laid their life down in key nations of the world and said, whatever you want, Lord, I'm willing. And they put a mark down, and God breathed upon their efforts and caused mighty Holy Spirit-led revival in places all over the globe. I heard the story this week of a traveling businessman who was uh, supposed to go to a conference in a city he had never been to. He's driving down the main street of the town, and he realized he had no idea how to find the convention center where the meeting was going to be held. And so as a smart man, like most of you men, you would always stop and ask for, of course. So he pulled the car over, and there was an older man sitting on a park bench, and he asked him, do you mind telling me what direction is the convention center? How far is it? The old man smiled and said, I certainly can tell you. It depends on what route you want to take. If you go in the direction you're headed, it'll be many thousands of miles. But if you turn your car around and go that way, it's a block and a half this way. Isn't that interesting? So near and yet so far. 
You could feel thousands of miles away from God today. You might feel that he's far gone and you just don't know where to find him. But if you just turn around, you'll find that he is a prayer away. Maybe you're headed the wrong way. Think about that. Well, necessary disciplines. I need to understand the power of prayer, the power of waiting on God, and listening. Listening. Psalm 130 verse 5 tells us, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his, in his word I put my hope. What a cool verse is. Verse 6, I wait for the Lord more than a watchman wait for the morning. While I was living in Springfield, Missouri as a student at Evangel University, we worked with some of our buddies, we worked together loading freight uh, into 18-wheelers, and uh, we made money by taking crates and putting them in, the, in these big trucks. And in the morning, they would leave. So we would work at night. And you go, man, what time is it? Is it almost time to quit? You know, you're dead tired. You've been up all day in school and working to make some date money and all of that. Glory to God. Well, anyway. <laughs> but in this case, it's a watchman. He's been out all night in the cold. It's raining. He's in trouble. He's weary. He's trying to stay awake. He's got a responsibility, and he's waiting. When will the sun come up and warm us up? When is it going to happen? And so he says, more than a watchman waiting for the morning, that's me. I'm waiting for the Lord. So I ask you, how, how hungry are you to hear his voice? How, how dependent are you on that? Disciplines for guidance. Here's an example from the Word about what happens when people wait in His presence. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2 and 3, let's recall that while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to those people. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them. And so when they fasted and prayed, they laid their hands upon them and sent them off. Wow. While praying and fasting, the Spirit revealed his plans for Barnabas and now Paul. What if they hadn't listened? What if they were not able to hear? What if they were so preoccupied with anger about the cultural times and so forth? You and I must learn to be sensitized to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need to train ourselves to hear. And that involves dialogue. While they prayed and fasted, the Spirit spoke. Divine guidance is a byproduct of closeness and conversation with God. Let me repeat it. Divine guidance is a byproduct of closeness and conversation with God. I was on the roof of our house on Friday afternoon late. It was almost five o'clock, and I was hanging lights on the roof. And I was thinking, as I looked down, I thought, you know what, if I just slipped a little more than I've already done, I'm going to be toast on that concrete. And I'm going, and I'm, I was preparing myself, if something happened, how would I roll, what would I do? And it was an uncomfortable moment. And I'm thinking, what is a guy your age doing on this roof? And then the scripture came to me, where Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always. 
and it gave me a lot of trepidation. Anyway, I got off quickly after I finished the last light bulb, and that had nothing to do with the message today, but I felt like I should tell you. Let me, let me conclude now. There's conditions that the Bible has set forth for guidance, conditions that we need to meet. In James chapter 1, verse 5, James tells us, if any of you, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. You go, I do the same job every day. I go to sit in the same screen and do my homework every day. I, I, I can do this. Well, maybe, maybe there's a way to do it better. Maybe there's a way that God has prepared for you to see victory in some other way. If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without fault finding, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind, and that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So let me conclude by just three simple things that are on my heart today. Walking in the Spirit and sensing the guidance of the Holy Ghost is going to require humility. Humility. There's a war, Paul tells the church in Galatians, a war within us. He said, I say, verse 16 of Galatians 5, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. And they are in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. There's part of us that wants to do it this way, and there's the carnal way, and there's another part that wants to go the spiritual way, and there's a war going on inside of us. And we must be led by the Spirit. And that's why humility is required where we go, God, I don't get this. You're asking me to go forgive somebody that I don't want to. How can I do that? You're asking me to have a gentle, soft word for my friend who's all revved up. Do what he says. Ask him for wisdom on what to say and how to say it. And he'll help you. Walking in the Spirit requires humility. He finishes his statement in Galatians 5.25, so if we live by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. Can you imagine the price if you decide that you're going to walk on your own and you know the way and you don't concern yourself with anyone else who tells you anything different? This is how we're going, bless God. And if we miss the Spirit's guidance, that's a terrible thing, isn't it? Is it worth any price? Going to school in Springfield, as I referred to a moment ago, people all over town years ago when we were there, they were pumping gas. They're working, mopping floors and everything. I said, what are you doing? Well, I was called to this, I was called to that, and somehow it didn't work. So now I'm doing this. You feel good about that? Nobody feels good about missing the Holy Spirit. Walk with him. He wants to guide you. 
Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, whom the Father will send in my name, is going to teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. You go, I don't get that. When he comes, what is he talking about? Well, the Holy Spirit hadn't descended yet, as Jesus declares this in John 14. In time, Jesus went away. He said, it's expedient for you for for me to go away. And if I go, the Holy Spirit will come. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove and filled them all, and they were changed people. And so now he's saying, when he comes, this is what he's going to do. He's going to be your teacher on the inside. He's going to help you to understand everything I've said to you. Key scriptures are going to come to your mind. You're going to realize, yes, that's what God's, God's saying this. Yes, he's doing this. Not only walking in the Spirit will require humility, but it will also require obedience. Obedience. We need to be willing and ready to obey. I believe, this is my opinion, I'm not basing this on a scripture. There's really only two kinds of people in the world today. Those who obey God's voice and those who disobey or don't know his voice or never met him. How many of you think it's more better to obey his voice (laughs) than not to obey his voice? So I'm just saying to you today, of all the things you could desire, do you want guidance? I mean, we're approaching that, that time of the year. We're thinking... You know, we, we've, we're asking some of our kids, what, do you, what would you like for Christmas this year? I asked Bonnie the other day, what do you want for Christmas from your old hubby? You know. And people are thinking about it. What would you want if you could have anything you want? I want hope. I want joy. And I want to know God's will. And I want to do it. And finally, walking in the Spirit will require reverence. Reverence. You know, when I hear his voice, it shakes me. I don't want to live one day without hearing his voice. I want to hear his voice every day. The Holy Spirit is talking trouble is many people aren't listening. Psalm 25, verse 12. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the way they should choose. They will spend their days, the result of the Spirit's guidance, they will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those that fear him. Could I just pause there for a moment? He'll tell you about your past, your present, and your future if you're listening. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for he only will release my feet from the snare. There's all kinds of things that want to catch you up and get you upset and rattle you. The Lord is the only one who can set you free. I like to just remind you that The eyes will see what the heart loves every day. The eyes will see what the heart loves. And if you love God more than anything else, you'll treasure his voice. You'll see him. You'll sense his presence with you in your secret closet. 
and you'll be lifted. You'll be strengthened. And his fellowship will yield for you steel for your spine to do his will. I believe the Spirit is continually speaking things we cannot see. Now, I'm not going to ask you a personal question this morning. I just want to make a general statement. I think a lot of people are rattled about what's going on. I'm not going to ask you if you're part of that group that says, what? Only 25? (laughs) What? You can't enjoy a Thanksgiving meal with your family? Who do they think they are? And you're getting... The engines go in the locomotive, and the steam's coming out of the stovepipe. And, 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 and people are revved up. Masks, closure of schools, every restaurant in town closed. We typically eat somewhere in some kind of a restaurant every Sunday before we go home. So I said to sweetie, where are we going to eat today? <laughs> You can get revved up if you want to. You can die on that hill, and you can die of a big, massive cardiac because you're so revved up if you want to. There's a better way to walk. I don't have the words up, but just take it down. Just dot it down. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace because his mind is stayed on thee. Do you know what perfect peace is? Studied in the Hebrew language, it means double peace. God promises double peace for you. Your buddy's going to say, well, what are we going to do about this mask? What are we going to do about the school? What are we, let's, can't we protest? Can't we go hold up a sign? Can't we go throw stuff? Can't we yell? Can't we scream? Can't we? Dude, I'm walking in perfect peace. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. I'm going to say to anyone I need to say, but I'm not going to get boiled over and revved up and split my guts open because of turmoil inside when perfect peace is my portion. Philip the evangelist was in a red-hot revival, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go down this road, this desert road. There's nobody out there but you go in my authority. And he went. And while he did, he met up with the Ethiopian eunuch who was the treasurer of the whole government of Ethiopia. And that man was hungry for God and Philip led him to Jesus and baptized him water and he was swept away by the spirit, Philip was, and ended up in another place. And when missionaries came to Ethiopia for the first time, history records... I preached over there, and I can tell you firsthand that missionaries, when they got there, found out that the church was already established. In other words, the Ethiopian eunuch became a missionary to his country, all because a one man was obedient. Let's be those people that will obey and follow. I don't know about you, but of all the things that I could desire, I want and covet divine guidance I believe that's the answer.